Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Baseball Insiders. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside fan signage MLB insider Robert Murray, and we are going to be taking apart some of the moves for this past offseason that did not go well. Spoiler alert, if you're on this list, your team probably isn't doing so hot. But before we hop into all of that, Robert, welcome in. You left us on Thursday with some NFL draft tidbits. And some hopes and dreams, uh, dreams and nightmares for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, it went according to plan. What the hell is going on? Why is everybody letting the Eagles draft all of Georgia's best players? And why did they trade picks they don't care about for DeAndre Swift? I need answers and I need them from you. Uh, it's, it's Howie Roseman. Is, is That's the only explanation for it is he is an absolute wizard. Um, I, had, I had heard rumblings that they had wanted Jalen Carter um, maybe try to trade up for him, and, and lo and behold, they get him. And then the other guy I wanted at number ten was Nolan Smith, and somehow he falls all the way down to number thirty. Yep. And they get him, and then they get Keely Ringo in round four. Uh, it's a Howie Roseman masterclass. And then you know what? The cherry on top is just DeAndre Swift. Um, yeah, Howie Roseman is is simply unbelievable. Um, you gotta love him. Uh, and I am extremely excited for this upcoming NFL season. Like. Week one can't get here fast enough, but you know what? We should probably just sit back and enjoy the baseball season because you know what? That's that's the reason why we're here today. I think so, too. And week one can't get here fast enough. But when it does get here, it'll be September of the Major League Baseball season, which means Major League Baseball season will be almost over, which means that's pretty upsetting. So in the meantime, before the NFL takes over, before everybody's eagle eye watching training camp to see if anybody's tripping on turf, or if QB4 is going to rise up the depth chart to QB2, we recommend you remain subscribed to the Baseball Insider so we can talk about all of our favorite sports, baseball, together in one space, live Mondays and Thursdays, 3.30 Eastern time, uh, 12.30 Pacific time, uh, and uh, yeah, somewhere in between and all the other times. Uh, what is this, like 2.30 somewhere? It's probably 1.30. It's something that weird little time that doesn't turn the clocks in any direction. Um, but we recommend 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, and the audio feed if you're not a YouTube streamer, although we welcome you on the stream. We'd love if you hit subscribe right now and join us every Monday and Thursday. But if not, the audio feed will be up for you to enjoy after the podcast is live. Obviously a burner. AR-15 to the promised land. Austin Reeves of the Los Angeles Lakers? I don't know. Is that why you're giving me that? Because uh, bing bong, my New York Knicks are down one game to nothing. I'm a little less excited than I was the last time we potted, but still pretty excited. Uh, never nervous. Matt Mervis, Johnny in the comments wants to see him up. I also want to see him up. Raised Pirate Series begins this week. Anthony Richardson, now I get it. I understand what everyone is talking about. But not all the moves that went down in this weekend's NFL draft are being widely praised, and not all the moves that went down this MLB offseason have turned the teams that put them together into instant contenders. So we wanted to start the show. We're going to go into plenty of news later, talk Jacob DeGrom, talk Bryce Harper, who's somehow back, talk baseball in a wind tunnel in Mexico City. But first, we'd like to go through a couple of moves this offseason that I think we'd already want to erase after just a couple of weeks. And Robert, it wasn't actually even that hard to pull this list together. Some of the names you pulled together um, I hadn't even like there were a couple I considered that I didn't put down. You brought some that I hadn't even thought of. There are a lot of already mistakes just a couple of weeks. Ago. Yeah, there have been. And it's uh, 
I'm going to, I'm going to start this off. Cause we have one that's a mutual one. I'll let you bring that up because catching up mm-hmm. on Adam Weiner was first to bring that one up. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let him initiate that one. But the first one that I would take back is the Cardinals is inactivity uh, addressing their rotation. Um, it was clear and obvious to many people um, throughout baseball that the Cardinals had a big need for a starting pitcher, especially after losing um, Jose Quintana in the offseason. Obviously, they brought back Adam Wainwright, but considering that he's almost two decades into his career, um, you had to be aware that there was at least a possibility that he would end up going down with an injury, uh, especially considering his workload that he's had in the recent years. And it's just been a disaster um, for the rotation and basically that season in general, as I have a helicopter fl- flying over my apartment right now. Yeah. What did they, do they know you're going to go? Is that the Cardinals? Are they still, do they have second thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Evidently the Cardinals don't like that. I, uh, that I'm bashing the rotation. They <laughs> have a helicopter fly over my apartment. Um, but anyways, the, the helicopter is gone. Um, but it's, it's the start to the Cardinal seasons are worse that they've had in 50 years. It is, been a very bad star. It's placed a lot of pressure on Ali Marmol, their manager, and also their GM or their president of baseball operations, John Mozalak. You have to wonder if they need a big another helicopter. What yeah, get get to the chopper. It's the, it's the cards <laughs> or it's the cards organization dropping bombs on you. All right. Well, it's gone now. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, wow. It, that was yeah. That's never it, happened before. It's um, gone. It, it crashed. Or is it all good? It just flew away. Yeah, it just flew away. Thankfully, it didn't crash. I feel like that would have been a louder boom. Um, yeah. But uh, you have to wonder if the Cardinals need to make some sort of a some sort of a change here in, in addressing the rotation and adding somebody from outside the organization. Because figure if they wait until um, they wait until the trade deadline and they maintain this pace, could they even be out of it at this at that point? Like you don't know, and you may need to be proactive with this um before it's too late so i think their lack or their inactivity in addressing the rotation was one of the biggest swing and misses of the offseason yeah because the cardinals are strange they're in the top half of baseball in terms of ops they're right up there with the you know blue jays the cardinals are 12th and the blue jays are 13th and i think everybody would say oh we're big believers in the blue jays start like they have just enough offense they have pitching a defense but the cardinals have that get by offense with a really bad starting staff and and imagine if they did not have Jordan Montgomery like it, how ba- how bleak this really could have gotten um the the mutual signing I mean is there is there anybody that you are you know obviously a burner pings it in the comments is there anybody you that's already a starting pitching target like or, or are they just going to still be in total wait and see mode until the deadline that's a, a wonderful question, and we don't really have any clear sellers quite, or I, I can't picture a team being willing to sell quite yet, but if there's ever a team, it's the White Sox. Um, yeah. They are abysmal, um, and it's been a really bad start to the season for them, and they look like they're a team that's just lifeless. And could, I mean, I would imagine teams are going to check in on Dylan Cease, Um but I, I don't know if the White Sox would be in any hurry whatsoever to move him just because he's controllable. And um, I would imagine he's somebody that's going to want to, they're going to want to have long term. Um, I mean, a guy like Mike Clevenger, maybe he's on a one year contract. Um, so maybe that's a possibility. Well, can't imagine it would cost too much, but um, they need to do something. They need to make, they need to have an, a meaningful upgrade here. Uh, maybe even add two starting pitchers like they did a couple of years ago. 
uh, but more meaningful additions than when they got John Lester and J.A. Happ. Um, but it's uh, not good. Not good, Adam. Yeah, you got to wonder, are there any more 39-year-olds for them to target? I guess we'll check in at the deadline and see. <laughs> but, uh, uh, in terms of a perfect transition, uh, we're giving out transition awards. I'll give out the blue ribbon to you for bringing up the Chicago White Sox, who are just as bad as the Cardinals, but without the hope of the St. Louis Cardinals. And if I were that team, I probably would not have wanted to commit five years to an outfielder with a 670 OPS and fourth percentile hard hit rate. Spoiler alert, it's Andrew Benintendi, who I, I just don't know. I don't know how you can you can deal with giving out the largest contract in White Sox franchise history this offseason to a player who everybody agreed, you know, the metrics are shaky. The performance hasn't been the same since his early Red Sox days. Sure, he can get bad on ball and he can play defense, but are we sure there's still pop there? He's hitting 280 right now, but there's not much under the hood. He's not the disease in Chicago. There's a lot going on, but he certainly is a symptom. And you've got five years and $75 million tied up there when you have rampant improvements that you have to make. Yep. That was the first signing that immediately popped into my head when, when you asked me what offseason moves would you take back? It was Andrew Benatendi. And this is not like a hindsight is 2020 thing. I remember immediately after that signing happened, I was talking to, um, an executive when that signing broke and he asked me what the, t- what the terms were. And I said, five years for 75 million. And he's, his response was simply, holy shit. And I said, is that a good or a bad thing? And it was not a good thing. He couldn't believe actually he, he was just surprised that some team gave Ben attendee five years. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I thought he was going to get four. Um, but the white Sox went to five. That's how they got him. Um, but that was just a, that was a really surprising move. Um, and we also have news. Um, Bryce Harper is back. So um, news live on the pod. Bryce Harper is officially back. 159 days after having Tommy John surgery. It's the quickest return from that surgery in baseball history. He's back. Uh, simply an unbelievable recovery there for him. Yeah, let's talk Bryce, because how could you not? Um, Especially when you're talking about left fielders the Yankees could have had, Andrew Penitendi and Bryce Harper. Yikes and a half. Uh, But Bryce is, uh, yeah, 159 days on on the the, uh, recovery table. But did you you blink and you miss it, right? Like, he played the whole postseason. He led the Philadelphia Phillies to the brink of a World Series. He's supposed to be back in July. Um, He's supposed to DH the whole year. He's definitely going to DH you know, May, June, July. It'll be quite a while before he gets back in the outfield. But for a team that expected to be without Bryce was suddenly without Reese Hoskins and has managed to tread water effectively and be a 500-ish team uh, in in a strange National League where teams like the Pirates are, are, you know, emerging at the top of the pyramid and the Dodgers and Padres and certainly the Cardinals are hanging back below expectations. Um, You got to feel good if you're a Phillies fan right now because, you were, you know, you never thought you'd lose him for the year, except maybe in the wake of hearing he had this complete UCL a long, long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he played through this ailment forever and managed to play effectively. Um, it's been a while since you've really considered his mortality, but even the most optimistic fan probably didn't expect him back this soon and didn't expect the team to tread water this well when they started the one and five way that they did. Yeah, because when they started the season off, they it looked like 
it could be a real disaster without having Bryce Harper there. And as you said, they, they treaded water um, hovering around 500. Now they get Bryce Harper back, the MVP of, of the National League, um, one of the best players in baseball. He's good. Uh, he's And he's going to play first base, and he can DH too. And that's going to make that return a little bit easier on him. It's going to make it a lot easier on him because it's going to have much less wear and tear on his arm. Um, but I'm also – I'm just curious to see exactly how – um, effective he can be in returning right away because this is a really quick turnaround. This is a very unprecedented kind of return. Um, but if there's anyone that can pull it off, it's Bryce Harper. Um, and they need him badly, especially at first base because it's been a revolving door at that position ever since Reese Hoskins went down. Um, but it, it cannot be understated just how big of a return that is for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, that is their leader. That is their face of the franchise, even with Trey Turner. Now you got him back. And that division is officially underway, and I I can't wait. It is going to be a blast. Uh, I don't think you'll find a better roller coaster ride at one position for one team than Reese Hoskins to Derek Hall to Cody Clemens to Bryce Harper within a month. Like that is just the insane Phillies uh, up down trajectory at first base. And now I think they feel probably pretty confident in being able to run Bryce Harper out there. I mean, Canyon Swartz in the comments, hope it doesn't backfire. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's always some of that embedded risk. But I think it was more likely to backfire when he was playing through the tear rather than now when he's, you know, they're, they are not going to take a chance with Bryce Harper. I'm sure he was agitating for a return even sooner than this. But you'd have to think if, if he's ready to, if he's playing first, a lot of doctors have, have cleared him to, to at least play first base with some workload. Like he's, he's probably not going to play every day, but he's not going to play the outfield low stress on the arm. And I think worst case inflammation, and we might have to take a step back, but he still won't be out and down for the count unless I'm speaking out of turn, but I feel like that's probably the case. No, I think you're, I think you're dead on with that. And plus the, the Phillies, they, had to make sure that Harper was in a good place for him to eventually return because this is not a just this year thing. They have him under contract for what, another like 10 years, somewhere in that mm -hmm. ballpark. This is a long-term investment and they got to be very careful not to rush him back because if you don't, or if you do rush him back and he gets hurt, um, then that could change what the next 10 years look like from him and then ultimately the team. Um, so they, they wanted to be aggressive with it, but they also had to have a long-term outlook with it. And um this is the result of that. It's aggressive, I know, but the Phillies are confident that Harper is going to return in a good place, and Harper feels the exact same way. We're about to find out 159 days after he had Tommy John. Which is unbelievable. And, and those Phillies uh, look a little bit stronger at the dish than they do on the mound. Uh, one of the other signings that you wanted to call out, the Philadelphia Phillies splurge. Uh, nobody does splurge better than Dave Dombrowski. And to be fair... Nobody gets his team to the World Series better than Dave Dombrowski. This guy certainly knows how to build a, a big budget playoff team. But this one, I, you had, you know, hindsight 2020 on Ben Benintendi where in the offseason you were like, what the hell? And now the season has started, you're like, still, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, this one I feel like is, I, I at least felt the same way about this setting, and I feel like you did too, which is Taiwan Walker. Yep. Um, that's the exact same way I felt. And it was it was funny. Uh, I was at the winter meetings and I was, I was the one who reported Taiwan Walker to Philadelphia and I, I reported it. And then I asked my source what the terms were and 
it was four years, 72 million he sent. And I was, I, I thought maybe it was a misprint. Uh, cause that was, that was a, it's a meaningful amount of money. That's 18 million a year. If my math is correct, uh, pretty positive it is. Um, and yeah. I did not expect him to get that kind of money. And lo and behold, he did. And it was the latest latest example of Dave Dombrowski being really aggressive when it comes to addressing his rotation. It's something that he's done in every spot that he's been, and Philadelphia has been no different. Um, but that one felt like a potential disaster in the moment. And it hasn't been necessarily a disaster, but it's not off to a very strong start. In five starts, he's got a 4.97 ERA. And the number that concerns me is 14 walks in 25 and a half or 25 and one third innings. That's not good. Um, they need him to be meaningfully better than he's been. Um, and it's been a really weird start to the season for that Phillies rotation in general. Like for the first month, Zach Wheeler struggled. Aaron Nola struggled. Taiwan Walker struggled. Their best starting pitcher was Matt Strom. Um, if you would have told me that entering the season, that Strom would be their best starter through one month of the season. I would have told you you were nuts. Um, but it's a credit to Strom, but also like I, I would imagine Nolan Wheeler bounce back and like get their numbers back to a normal like spot at some point throughout the middle of the season. Um, but it's a credit to uh, what Strom has done. Um, he's he's had a really interesting career. I remember when um, he signed with the Red Sox last year, I had somebody tell me that he's somebody who can eventually break out and be a really good reliever, or he could even make spot starts here or there. And he saw a glimpse of it or glimpses of it last year. Um, but this year it seems like he's really put it together. Underrated signing by Dave Dombrowski, even though um, in the moment, two years at like, I can't remember the exact number, but it was, it was an eye opening amount of money. Some mm -hmm. people scoffed at it, but um, it was an upside play. And so far it's paid off, but Taiwan Walker, uh, <laughs> no, 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 thank you. And you know who believed in Matt Strom uh, beyond Dave Dabrowski? Matt Strom. Uh, when you listen to him speak, you know, there's nobody who's more confident in his ability to battle than the pitcher himself. Uh, yeah. Two years, $15 million signed through next year, 31 years old and will be 32 by the end of the season. So it's not as if uh, in November. So just after the season has ended, when hopefully he hopes he will be parading down Philadelphia's Canyon of Heroes on Broad Street. But, uh, he, you know, not a young man, but still plenty of upside in that arm and, and gas in the tank. He believed in himself, and he was not wrong. Uh, speaking mm -hmm. of people who maybe were wrong, uh, remember when the San Francisco Giants had all that money and they were going to sign Aaron Judge, but then they didn't, and then they're gonna, they did sign Carlos Correa, but then they didn't, and so they kind of just wanted to spend Carlos Correa's money on people. I'm not sure if they're going to be thrilled that they gave Michael Conforto and Ross Stripling two-year deals with opt-outs. Uh, when you do that, you're sort of trying to ensure that the player is going to have a strong enough season so that he helps your team, helps your team in a wild-card push, and is confident enough in his own abilities that he's going to opt out at the end of the year. I don't know that they're going to be able to get out of either of these contracts at the end of 2023. Conforto negative 0.2 war stripling negative 0.3 war and just 15 and two thirds innings pitched uh, chicken strips at two years, 25 mil Conforto 236, 89 OPS plus for Conforto hitting 205 with four homers stripling 6.89 ERA. And he only made two starts. He's already in the bullpen. 
I just feel like I had to caution. Like, you don't have to just spend money to spend money, and it kind of feels like that's what the Giants did here. Yep, that's exactly what it feels like. And those are always the deals that are the most dangerous is, I mean, I'm a big believer in Farhan Zaidi. I think he is a very smart executive, um, but these signings have not panned out. And Conforto, especially um, him getting, what was it you said, two for 36? Or is it one, yeah. of, one, of, being a, with one of those years being an option? Um, yeah. It is, uh, that was a really eye-opening amount of money for a guy who did not perform or did not play last year. Um, and it was a huge risk so far. It has not panned out uh, to say the least. I I'm in agreement with you on both of those. I think the giants would absolutely have those back. And it's, it's also interesting too with the Conforto argument um, with the, the injury that he had rather than doing, ex, doing an extension than waiting to become a free agent. It obviously did not work out at all. Um, that, I mean, if you look at that, perhaps that could end up being one of the reasons why Brian Reynolds did his extension or why some of these other guys are doing their extensions. It's getting guaranteed money. You don't have the risk of losing out on all this money. Um, I'll, I'll never fault a player for taking over $100 million. I think um, I think it's you, you can never fault a player for doing it. And it's also why Juan Soto turning down $440 million was such a risk because if if he entered the free agent market now, he would not be getting 440. Um, so far, it looks like a gamble that has not paid off. Um, that is going to be a fascinating one because everybody and their mothers are going to be comparing what the Nationals offered him in that extension to what he eventually gets and how much money it may have ended up costing him. Or maybe he ended up doing the right thing. Who knows? But so far, that gamble has not paid off. I keep forgetting that contract and its details, and then I keep remembering it, and then I keep shivering and feeling bad all over again. That makes me feel super weird. That um, is what it is. The uh, Juan Soto effect. Yeah. The Juan Soto effect, the shudder. The, the fact that the Padres are, are probably going to get out of this relatively unscathed, too, and not take the flack for surrendering the package that they did uh, for Soto. I guess we'll see if they pay him the money and if he continues to develop at the rate he was developing at in Washington or at the current level that he is displaying in San Diego, which is, which is just sad in the things that are sad department. Um, I'm going to use the New York Mets to transition into our next topic of discussion, just because their rotation is widely different than I think most of us expected. I don't want to pile on the Jose Quintana signing uh, because obviously that has, that has not worked. I, I don't know if you would say let's undo or erase that because when he does come back eventually, I think we all know what Jose Quintana is. The ceiling is moderate. He will eat up innings. He may eventually start a playoff game for you. And I think that's fine. Um, kind of wild in retrospect that the Mets did not sign Carlos Correa, who has a 647 OPS so far this year for the Twins and is sort of going on under the radar unnoticed because the Twins are performing well and he is not playing in New York City. But the Mets do go the Senga-Quintana route they do not shell out for Jacob deGrom. And now Jacob deGrom has the forearm tightness that many of us may have predicted when he signed with the Texas Rangers for that $185 million lump sum earlier this offseason. It doesn't feel good piling on here either. Uh, and mm. I, I again, the Rangers knew what this was. It's not like if I had told the Rangers he's going to come down with elbow tightness in May that they would be like, oh, never mind. We're not interested in Jacob deGrom. We had no idea he was an injury risk. That said, still upsetting when it lands this early in the season. 
Oh, absolutely. And like the, the Rangers, they signed DeGrom um, and gave him five years when I don't think any other team in baseball would. Um, they they thought that he could, if he stayed healthy, um, be once again the best pitcher in baseball. And he's shown it in, in New York when he's healthy. He's dominant. And he did it in the biggest market that there is. And there was certainly a risk in doing that. And there was a risk. There was a reason why some of these teams weren't in is because that was a risk. Um, but that's, that's a scary one for, for the Rangers. Cause you're talking the first month into a five year, $185 million investment. And this guy's got forearm tightness. That is, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to sound alarm bells. I don't want to get anyone scared, but whenever you hear forearm tightness, the words Tommy John surgery immediately pop in your, into your head. Um, I hope that is not the case. Um, I don't know how long DeGrom is going to be out or like what this exactly is. Um, but if they lose DeGrom for the, for a sustained period of time, that hurts um, because they invested significant resources into that rotation. They added, um, they added DeGrom, they added uh, Nathan Uvalde on a two-year contract. They gave Martin Perez the qualifying offer. They got Jake Odorizzi from the Braves um, in a deal that kind of went under the radar, but Odorizzi's off for the year. Um, DeGrom, we don't know exactly what it is. If DeGrom is off for a sustained amount of time, I don't know exactly how they replace him. I think that could end up being a huge detriment to their season, and it places a huge amount of pressure on that offense to overcome that, but also their pitching staff to cover for DeGrom. We'll see, um, but fingers crossed for both DeGrom and the Rangers that it's not serious at all. Yeah, the dark reality is sort of nowadays when in terms of this forearm tightness, you know, the rash of elbow injuries, I don't necessarily get concerned on the first opinion. I get concerned when someone has to bring in a second opinion, when it's like, and they're going to now visit the team doctor and make a decision on their future. Almost unilaterally, that decision is detrimental. Like if no one ever visits the team physician and they're like, we got together and we decided he's going to sleep it off. Like at that point, you probably have to, to you know, do, go, go under the knife and, and change your future, which is quite upsetting. Um, I think you're still pretty bullish on the Rangers as a playoff team, though, even if DeGrom is, you know, seriously injured and has to miss a significant amount of time. Is, is that right? I, I am, but, like, my optimism for them goes down quite a bit because having the DeGrom X factor, um, that gives yeah. them a card that not many teams have um, just with a bona fide ace who's like one healthy, the best pitcher in baseball. Like that's a huge thing in their advantage. Still think they could end up being a wild card team, but how effective they could be in a, an eventual wild card series. I don't know. Um, it's also funny too, is um, this is a bit of a sidetrack here. We, we don't even have this in a rundown, but this is, this is what happens when you get texts and, and whatnot. Um, there is one like Nick Anderson um, in the off season here. Uh, he was um, let go by the Rays and a very intriguing young right-handed pitcher um, had an injury history, a pretty extensive one, but on a short-term kind of contract, he could have been a really nice addition for a team. And Anthony DeComo of MLB.com just pointed this out is he's got an 18, he's got 18 strikeouts and one walk throughout this, the start of the season. And he has been, a really nice comeback story for Atlanta. And it's been another stroke of genius for Alex Anthopoulos. And you wonder why other teams didn't necessarily take that kind of a, 
uh, a gamble because it, he signed a split major league contract. Um, he could have been um, uh, just a low risk addition with some potential like big upside. Braves are, are reaping the benefits of it already. Um, yeah, it's it's been a very strong start for him, and it makes you wonder why the Mets or some of these other teams didn't take that didn't take that chance. Especially since the Mets did nothing but take wild card opportunities, and, and relievers are so fungible. You see, they're on tenter hooks right now, waiting out Brooks Raley. See if there's any. They they like his MRI. I'm I'm glad they do, but any reliever could burn like that so easily. So you want to take as many chances as you can. Nick Anderson with the up arrow for Atlanta. Ian Anderson with the down arrow. Only one and two Andersons enter, one leaves. And it looks like Nick with the advantage so far. Um, Before we sign off, I want to give kudos to the Mexico City Giants-Padres games, which were absolutely absurd over the weekend. It's already been announced tentatively. I don't know if MLB confirmed it or if the leaks are just coming, but it looks like we're going to do this with the Astros and Rockies next year. It's nice to see Major League Baseball finally come up with a solution to make it uh put the Rockies in an environment where it's it's somehow easier to hit than Coors Field that should be very exciting uh but we we played Yankees Red Sox in London a couple years ago in what felt like a wind tunnel I was at that game the Yankees scored six runs in the top of the first the Red Sox tied it with six in the bottom of the first Michael Chavis hit a three-run homer it was just like anything's possible I think that game ended 18-15 and now the weekend stuff in Mexico City are we just building these foreign stadiums or is MLB just visiting wind tunnels at this point? Um, and, and is there anywhere you'd like to see them expand to that they have not yet? Cause it looks like we have another win on our hands here. Yeah, it's a, a huge win. And to answer your question, I, I've heard about the national rumblings for years. Um, and all I was hanging out in Scottsdale here. I was talking to some random person and all of a sudden he starts telling me about this Nashville project and trying to get baseball into Nashville. And I'm turns out he's involved in trying to get it um, and trying to get base or baseball team into Nashville. And it was, he was describing this project to me and how much enthusiasm he has for it and how big of a thing you think it would be for Nashville. And it was, uh, it had me really excited for the possibility. So I go with having a baseball team in Nashville. I'm rooting for it. I hope it happens. Um, I know plenty of people who are involved in that kind of a project and it turns out you just meet random people like that in Scottsdale. Um, what a, what a place that does not happen in Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin, by the way. Um, but, uh, it was cool. And I, I personally hope it does happen. Um, especially considering how much time and effort that person's put into it. Wasn't that what Dave Dabrowski was doing briefly before the Phillies came calling? Yeah. Yep. Cause he seemed like he was pretty dead set on doing that too. And like, um, and ultimately, uh, John Middleton, the Phillies owner was, he was adamant enough and like persistent enough where he got Dabrowski to go away from that project. So, um, it also makes you wonder too, if, if Middleton doesn't do that and he gets Dombrowski and if Middleton doesn't do that and Dombrowski stays on that national project, what does this, what does baseball look like if that doesn't happen? Uh, is Trey Turner a Philly? is like i mean there's a lot of different dominoes that would have impacted so i wonder how exactly that move in particular changed the course of baseball history yeah and where are the oakland a's like maybe we get a nashville expansion and a vegas expansion to counter it at that point and the a's stay in oakland uh 
John Fisher would have to have a heart and a soul in order for that to be a reality. But it does seem like more of a possibility if we're doing two expansion teams at once. I do remember that the Dabrowski, I think there was an athletic story that had one of my favorite, like it almost turned into an action movie trope where Dombrowski was like, don't even call me. I do not want to come back to baseball. And then Middleton pressed him and they were like, he just like bothered him so much. And Dombrowski was finally like, all right, one last ride or whatever. Like it, it was truly a thing right. of like, of course you were going to come back and, and yeah, but they sold it well. No, they, they absolutely did sell it well. And um, baseball is better when Dave Dombrowski in it. Cause he is aggressive as all can be like, he does moves that, not many other president of baseball operations would. Um, also, Philadelphia is really lucky to have Dave Dombrowski and Hire Roseman running their teams. Like, holy smokes. And then you got the the, the 76ers there. Um, yeah, it's a good time to be a Philly sports fan. Let me tell you, go birds, by the way. Um, but uh, I, had to, I had to throw in another go birds. But Dave Dombrowski, great for baseball. I'm glad Middleton did get him out of retirement and working on that national project. Um, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I'm very. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of Dave Dabrowski to say the least. I am as well. It's it's just a shame there aren't the Georgia Bulldogs baseball team isn't that good so that you know he can't uh, you know your buddy Roseman can't call up Dabrowski and be like you got to pick more dogs and Dabrowski's like I'm not going to draft Gordon Beckham I guess is available he's probably a free agent um, yeah but it's it is it is boom times in Philadelphia of course. Um, before we sign off again, I also just want to say tough time to start the year for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, but we lost a Cardinal tent pole over the weekend and Mike Shannon called Cardinal games for 50 years from 72 to 2021 after winning the 64 and 67 world series as a player with the team, the downtown district is basically named after him in St. Louis and to lose him the same year that we lose Tim McCarver is pretty brutal and gutting. Uh, the highlights are great. Somebody tweeted one of his great radio calls the other day where it was basically it's people love to talk about things you can't do today but if you don't have the cachet of someone like mike shannon you really can't do this he basically took over a minute of radio he was describing carrie wood brushing albert pujols back and then pujols homering off carrie wood but he was barely talking about what was actually happening he was narrating it like a cartoon he was like pujols is saying i don't care where your brushback pitch is i'm gonna walk around the bases and stare you down big fella like it was a minute and a half and you were like, you couldn't get away with this unless you were beloved, but I'm glad someone was able to get away with it. No, absolutely. And like, if there's anyone who's going to get away with it, it was Mike Shannon. And uh, I just want to extend my condolences to the Cardinals and the Shannon family. Um, obviously a, just a huge fixture for not just baseball, but like the Cardinals organization. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's a big loss, especially with uh, the loss of McCarver earlier in the year. That's uh, yeah. Just thoughts and prayers go out to the Cardinals. Absolutely. And yeah, just the more legends we, we need to keep making legends in the broadcast booth because it's getting pretty upsetting to say goodbye to so many of them. Uh, that is it for today's show. We say goodbye to you. Hopefully uh, all of the undoing of the offseason was still a plenty happy note to sign off on. There's still hope alive for many, t- even the Chicago White Sox, who we hate, uh, came back from five runs down in the ninth inning yesterday to beat the Rays on an Andrew Vaughn walk off. So there are little moments even in the bleakest seasons and nobody you can't win a division this early. You can play yourself out of a division title, I guess. Um, but even the teams that are sort of at the the verge of doing that, maybe haven't done that yet. 
Um, so we'll see if these teams can recover. Uh, until next time, you can find us Mondays and Thursdays, 3.30 Eastern, right here. Ooh, go for it. Time out. Time, time me out, baby. Yeah, I want to uh, address a question from obviously a burner. Uh, and I'll even answer this despite him giving the Philadelphia Eagles crap. Um, wow. Because I'm obviously a burner, I like you. Um, so I'll – I'll, I'll answer this one uh, about a Randy Rona or Randy or Rosarina extension possibility. I would not get your hopes up there. Um, they have, they've had uh, talks in, in the past, but Arona raises his agent is Scott Boris and Boris is known for letting his players establish a value on the open market. And I just, I can't see Boris doing an, ex, doing an extension there. Um, so yeah, I, as I said, I won't get your hopes up. Stranger things have happened, but I just don't see it happening. So that, that was my brief intermission that I had. Fair. And sorry about that, obviously, a burner. Um, I know you were hoping for a, a more pleasant interruption. But maybe the tide will have turned by Thursday and we get back after it. Probably not. But uh, we'll have more updates for you on Thursday live at 3.30. Uh, if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, thank you. If you are not, please hit subscribe. If you prefer the audio feed, uh, I know some of you are probably listening to this for the first time on audio on your preferred podcast platform. We'd love if you'd subscribe, review, rate us there as well, because we do this for you. Um, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. I thank all of you. Uh, Robert, are, are the listeners putting food on your table still? Would you say that the, the food is primarily being provided by them? Oh, it absolutely is. And this uh, I'm about to go grocery shopping after this episode here. And I would it would not be possible without the listeners of the Baseball Insiders and also not possible without you, Mr. Adam Weiner. So. Um, I appreciate all of you for tuning in and putting food on my table. Uh, I'm a growing boy. I'm hungry. Um, I, I'm going to eat Cheez-Its before I go because you can never go grocery shopping while you're hungry. That is just you, you can't do that. By the way, I did. Um, I have not had Chipotle in four days, so I may have to break the streak and get it sometime early this week. Um, yeah, that's 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 on me. I did order Chop Shop yesterday, though. Uh, big Chop Shop guy. Never had Very Chop Shop. I I don't know what that is. It is like it's some sort of just healthy bowl. It was a base of brown rice with steak, some shrimp, some vegetables, and um, just this really delicious sauce that they put on top of it. And got a protein shake on top of it, too. Had to uh, make sure the gains remained uh, for my workouts this weekend. They made me sound like a bro. Um, Adam, take it away before I make myself sound too weird here. <laughs> of course, there's a, yeah, you want to fill yourself up with a meal before you go shopping. Trader Joe's is the worst of this. They put all the good stuff right by the checkout and say so you're like chocolate covered orange slices. I fucking guess. Um, so I got to <laughs> gas up too. I got to eat because it's, we're getting close to dinner time out here on the East coast and I need to stock my fridge and you folks help us with that. I couldn't do the show without you, Robert. Both of us couldn't do the show without all of our fine uh, viewers, listeners and commenters. Um, and welcome back. Hopefully, come back on Thursday. We got some good stuff for you then. Until next time, I'm Adam Wanderman for Fansiders Robert Murray. Take care, everybody.